It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down An American loser the day I was <laughs> You just had to make the sound. I couldn't not, and there's a weird boot camp story behind that one. So um, I will explain that. But guys, welcome to American Loser. My name is KP Burke, okay? Uh, this is the video format if you're able to get it, or the audio version if you're one of our diehards who just doesn't want to move on to the YouTube section. So back with me, as always, my Delph of a Dow. Dad, you're looking a little, you're looking rather Sicilian today. <laughs> I was uh, left He's out. Not in, him. I left out in the sun for about a week. So, <laughs> a, yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, one of my uh, one of my best friends in stand up comedy, a returning guest to the show too from the Honeymooners podcast. You can find him over at Instagram at, at Joe Conti Comic. One of the greats. One of my uh, honest to God, I love you so much, buddy. I'm happy you're here, Joe Conti, ladies and gentlemen. Back in the building. Back in the thank building. Thank you. Thank you. I find you quite adequate too. So I hear you, man. Now nobody has ever talked. Uh, you once referred to me as the Chad Pennington of comedy. <laughs> Did I really? Yes, you did. Are you, you said, kidding? You said you're a you. You got a winner's DNA, but you got bird bones, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that at all? Uh-huh. It was. Uh, I just figured the bent wrist was something that. Uh, that's that's the only thing I thought. I don't know why I thought you, Chad Pennington, but I do like your uh, your winning. Uh, you know that pedigree you have. Well, we've done. Well, thank you for that, buddy. It's uh, we've done a, a bunch of gigs in the past where we've always had great conversations on the road. That's why it's, I have a natural rapport with you. That's why you're filling in last minute here because, sad to say it, folks, but uh, Mark Riccadonna dead. <laughs> that ain't <laughs> to me, fucking to funny. Me, to me, I'm sorry. I was His name is now Mark Mortadonna, <laughs> which is dead in Italian. Dead Donna. That's correct. <laughs> dead Donna. No, uh, my pal Mark couldn't make it here. Mark was actually a guest uh, on the same episode that Joe was a guest on, if you guys went all the way back to the uh, the Black Sox scandal of shoeless Joe Jackson. Uh, and of course, who was our sound engineer for that one? Could it be, folks? Could it be? Is If you if you guys all just lower your voices real quick, we all just lower our heads in a moment and close your eyes, I think we can make him appear. Can we conjure up? Yep, there he is. I'm he like the it. great kazoo. <laughs> the more like the mediocre kazoo. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> You know what? I'm, <laughs> fuck you. You don't get Kahuna Vision this episode. <laughs> it's going to go right over my face. Um, that'd be perfect if he just did that one. So, um, But I'll tell you guys what. You know who that voice is. That's the the lovely uh, Big Kahuna. Okay. Yeah. I'm actually filling in for Joe Conti today. <laughs> <laughs> Those on the audio platform can't see, but he did move Kahuna Vision. He's already using his powers for no good. We've we've made him too powerful. It's oh, big time. <laughs> <laughs> But we are, of course, at a Shared Universe podcast studio. Thank you so much to Mike and Ming for always taking great care of us here, too. Uh, and by the way, guys, if you want to continue to support the show here, uh, if you're a regular listener, I really appreciate it. If it's your first episode, welcome to the party, pal. OK, we have a good time over here. It's a good one. Uh, coming up on almost four years. It's actually over four years, but I forgot to celebrate it. So we're going to wait till my father, my dilf of a dad, Lawrence Patrick Burke, he and my mom just landed in Aruba. They're going to be there for about a week right now. So he's on wedding duty. He really is. It's in classic fashion to the first episode of American Loser we did. He was there for it. It was great. It was a killer. And we started, you know, the next week we're planning for it. He goes, oh, I'm not going to be here. And I had to bring in a guest. So now (laughs) we go to video. 
All right, we relaunched the show in the, the big, badass new fashion that we have, and boom, he's gone again. So thank you, Joe Conti, for uh, stepping up for us here today, brother. Big I time. love being your step stepdad. It's just fantastic. <laughs> oh, for sure. Uh, no, it's a good one on this one, man. We always have fun over here, too. And like I said, if you want to support the show for as little as $3 a month over on Patreon, all of that money that you guys see, it goes to the shit around here, okay? It goes to uh, – this one was actually a gift from Cousin Megan over here. Uh, it goes to uh, us being able to afford the studio time, being able to get the talents of the big kahuna. And then, of course, the percentage we've got to kick upstairs to Ming because he's a gangster. All right. He's very, very mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, we love you, Ming. And, uh, of course, literally every penny goes into this. Uh, we stopped making a profit on this show if we ever did uh, a long time ago. We, we moved down here closer to the studio so we'd stop having to drive back and forth all the time. And then guess what happened? Then we're like, you know, it'd be cool. If we paid Kahuna extra to start filming this. <laughs> so the entire tank of gas went right back into this one here, folks. So it's a neutral sum game. And I will continue to do the show as long as I can, as long as I can afford to. And it's because of the great people over the founding losers that were able to do so. So thank you so much for that one. Uh, without a doubt here real quick, we're going to get into some weird stuff. Now, Joe, without giving away your day job, um, you're a great comic. You've been dead it for a long, long time. Got a bunch of great work out there. Um, and, and one of my favorite closing bits I've ever heard. That being said, between comedy and your day job, is it safe to say you've traveled almost the entire state of New Jersey at one point or another? Uh, within the last four days, yeah. I think I've driven <laughs> every uh, every street in this state, yeah, pretty much. I believe you have too because I remember getting directions from you one time and it was it actually hurt my brain. It was, uh, it was like when they were downloading Kung Fu and Neo's brain in the Matrix. <laughs> I was freaking out in my chair the whole time. So My one friend's sister, I used to work with her. We used to do this side work together and we used to have to travel to people's houses. She used to have me in her phone under M for MapQuest. <laughs> this was back in the day. Yeah. MapQuest Conti. Yeah. Oh, man. It's uh, it, it. I'll tell you what. This is a weird state. Now, I also did a couple of jobs where I was driving around doing uh, whether it be plumbing work or uh, excavation work. Or uh, the, the current ventures that I'm doing right now and uh, weird adventures, uh, adventures in beer cleaning. Um, but you do get to travel this entire bizarre little state. And when you talk about a state like Texas or California or any of the larger states, um, they don't have that sense of um, – in New Jersey, you can be anywhere you need to be in 90 minutes. Okay, Now, that could be all because of traffic because it's down the street or you could literally stretch the entire state. And there's a very weird – strange part of our state in South Jersey known as the Pine Barrens. Off the top of your head, anything you want to say about the Pine Barrens? Um, my ex was from uh, Cape May and uh, she used to tell me about the Pine Barrens. And then like two years after we broke up, I went, I was doing a show in South Jersey and she had this new boyfriend and this guy was right out of the Pine Barrens. I mean, his eyes were like right next to each other. <laughs> like it almost looked like he had one eye, like he was Leela from uh, from Futurama. His eyes were so close together and he was this slight guy, like one of those guys that's 115 pounds. Oh, but wow. A hundred and like, you know, five foot five, 115 pounds, like one of those guys. And I just looked and I just said, that guy's a piney because that's what they call them. They call it's them a, pineys. Whether or not you want to apply that as a slur is up to you. YouTube, <laughs> right? So if it's we get a P word. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, it, the Pine Barrens do have people that live there and, and there is a, a piney thing. Now, there's also some really uh, nice, good people in some beautiful towns down there that exist. But also at its core, there's a little danger and mystery to the Pine Barrens. So Joe already kind of nailed it on the head with that one. And by the way, too, isn't it weird that Leela having one eye was not a deal breaker for any fanboy that was watching the show? <laughs> like, I could do that. Um, that being said, uh, I'm going to ask the big kahuna 
because he has lived all over this great state as well. Do you have any stories about the Pine Barrens? I know a lot of weird stuff goes on down there. A lot of weird stuff. A lot of weird. Whether or not it's confirmed or denied, uh, it's up for debate. Well, I'll tell you what, for because we always like to do this for Halloween to, to bring in some spooky topics here. This one's not spooky. This is just straight up bizarre today. Um, but some spooky stuff from the Pine Barrens we will talk about. We're going to be bringing back on very popular guests that we had, Ted Daniels and uh, Don MacArthur from the Wizards of Odd. We're going to bring them in studio around Halloween time to tell some creepy, creepy stuff about the Pine Barrens. But it's this weird section of sort of inland woods, sort of marsh-like spots too. It's in between Philadelphia and Atlantic City. Yeah. So it's it's what Alan Iverson used to drive through uh, after games pretty much. Um, <laughs> when he was supposed to be practicing? Exactly. Right, right. Exactly. So he would do that. And then all the uh, the mobsters from Philly that wound up running Atlantic City, if you want to know more about that, Philly Mob Wars episode, Lose Reception, go through the back catalog, guys. Seriously, all that stuff's free. Little as $3 a month. I keep rolling these bad boys out. Um so it's a strange place. South Jersey's goofy in general, too. Um, but I'll tell you what. We're going to tell a story to tell a story real quick here. People have often asked me uh, how I wound up with my father as my partner for this show. And uh, I like to tell people for American Loser that the standard textbook answer I give is, uh, well, it was going to be a book originally. I just kept pitching ideas to him for more people that could be considered losers. And then we had a natural rapport because we both love history. And the phone calls would get longer and longer. And eventually I said, well, it's silly to do it with anybody other than you know, my father. And we've had a successful four-year running endeavor, made a lot of killer friends along the way, a lot of great fans and stuff too. And uh, it does mean a lot to me. All right. So the truthful answer of why my father's here is because he keeps me from going off the fucking deep end sometimes. And this episode, this episode uh, is more proof of that. He hasn't been gone. He left this morning. And uh, I'm already taking us into the very, very bizarre story of Ungs Hat, New Jersey. See, and I'll just kind of push you more into it, too. <laughs> I, I am the great kazoo in that sense. You're not I, a good influence. No, <laughs> I am not. Not for this show. I love when it goes crazy. Well, uh, again, Larry Burke keeps me uh, here. Uh, he keeps us grounded. And I also help him speed up uh, his storytelling process, too, sometimes, because he can get lost in his own words. So I'm the brevity, the wit, and the charm. And he's the uh, blue-collar scholastic man. And this show is called American Loser. So we're going to have to give you guys a story here on this one, too. And Joe, jump in on anything you have questions about, anything you want to point out to the listeners that maybe I'm not explaining properly. Because this Pine Barrens, it, just so you guys know, the Pine Barrens is a strange place. Uh, we're talking about weird, mysterious stuff that goes down there. Legends that I've heard just growing up in this great state is that uh, Blackbeard hid some of his treasure here. I don't know if you guys heard that one. Um, other stories, of course. We did a whole episode with my buddy Angelo Gingerelli about uh, the Jersey Devil, the devil in Jersey, the Leeds family devil. Mm -hmm. All right. Don't mess with Ben Franklin. He'll, he'll make up an urban legend about you. <laughs> um, check that episode out in the back catalog. But there's all this weird, spooky stuff going down there. Did you guys – were you guys X-Files fans? Yeah. I, I never I didn't watch it, no. Well, uh, there was an episode. It's the only one I ever watched because my ex was going through uh, that on Netflix. And there was an episode called Atlantic City. And I said, well, I got to watch this. I, I'm, I'm from Jersey, you know. And they did a whole weird Pine Barrens thing. And they talked about a weird creature that was being found on the streets of Atlantic City, if you will. And they thought it was the Jersey Devil. So I won't give anything else away. But, um, yeah, it, it was it was entertaining. I'll say that much. They've done a couple episodes in Jersey too, and it's always and I think like most of the time it is centered around the Pine Barrens. Uh, well, well there's also is, the famous Sopranos episode in the Pine Barrens, absolutely. Yeah. Which most, I think that's where a lot of people hear the Pine Barrens from. That episode, the episode is called entitled um, Pine Barrens. That's the one where Christopher and Paul are trying to kill a Russian hitman, and they can't seem to find him. So, oh, fun fact about uh, the X Files: my dad actually co-wrote a song with the creator of that show. 
I, I hope that it's the theme song. It is not the theme song, but it was it, on a. I should it check is it on worth millions. It is on one of the the X Files records. So if you ever want to check it out, you know, I don't have any relatives available. that are like f- famous artists, so you can stop bragging. All right, fuck off. <laughs> Uh, I will put my face right back over your face, damn it. Contel, uh, Conti is he, he's very humble. Contel, I called him. Jeez, I can't believe it. He's been one of my friends for oh, years. Oh, you went with Conti and humble. You That's said right. Contel. 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 <laughs> We're going to need a Contel. Yes. With, with a U and not a. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. But I'll say what. Um, no, you're, you're being very humble right now, too. I mean, you do have famous relatives, you know. Um, you know, you just can't recognize you without holding a barrel above your head and throwing it in Mario. <laughs> All right. I All right. I got to tell a story now. We got to be semi-scholastic <laughs> okay, here. Okay. I actually lost a Patreon listener one time because I let my friend Jack Steiger go too crazy on an episode without LP because Jack, who I love to death, showed up, um, let's just say under the influence. Kahuna, is that fair to say? A little bit. And we let him go wild. And he's so funny and so uh, fun to talk to. Charming. But, uh, but one of uh, one of our Patreon people wrote back, goes, you guys suck. I hate you now. And then deleted it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. All right. That's literally all he said? Um, no, I'm, I'm being nicer. Um, <laughs> wow. It, it was, we lost a, a listener on that one, I, I think. Uh, and by the way, the, the criticism was valid. We didn't cover enough of the topic. But how do you interrupt that man who's chaos. I just want to see what Southern drawl looks like in text. That would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Lots uh, of spelling errors. He had he had a legit argument. I'll give him that. So uh, now in order to try to do this, what I wanted to do for the original topic today was I was going to pitch because Joe and I have talked about weird conspiracy theories in the past on some of our, our long rides uh, back and forth to gigs. And I was going to pitch the five strangest conspiracy theories in American history. And then – I'm trying to read an article about it. And then on insider.com, of all places, I'm trying to find this list. And I wind up scrolling through the list looking for what, what's going to be my top five. And a town by the name of Ong's Hat jumps out at me. Uh, Kuna, whenever you can, if you could bring up the sign. The sign. So Ong's Hat, New Jersey, which is a strange name first and foremost, okay? There it is. It's uh, Upper Mill uh, is, is one mile away. And then Ong's Hat is 1.3 miles away. And by the way, that's in the Lebanon State Forest. Fun fact, uh, when I first learned how to shoot and when I first learned how to go hunting, uh, the man who would take me is the immortal Uncle Paulie, and uh, he would take me to his campgrounds, if you will, his hunting club in the Lebanon State Forest. So that was my exposure to kind of Pine Barrens adjacent areas, if you will, is uh, being out in the woods shooting guns Mm -hmm. for the first time, especially with a strange guy like my uncle. Um, Anyway, Ong's Hat is a strange place, a strange name here, and uh, the town is apparently – Right in the center of the universe, New Jersey, like we said, in Pemberton Township in Burlington County, New Jersey. Now, for those that don't know, uh, that's in the Pine Barrens, like we were saying here. Blackbeard, the Jersey Devil, Christopher Moltisanti, everything's running around there. Polly Walnuts, it's nuts. So I'm fascinated by all things over here. Um, and this particular town, too, by the way, is actually older than um, the Declaration of Independence. So there were people down in the Pine Barrens even before the country was fully settled, if you will. Really? Uh, so under British rule, if you will. Now, they're deep in the woods. That's kind of where that piney thing comes from. It's it's very insular. You're not bringing in um, – th- there's not a whole lot of uh, uh, diversity, whether it be um, uh, skin color or DNA. You know what I mean? It's, it's one person's got a really big family and they're going to marry you off into that. So you're going to wind up screwing your cousin. It's essentially what's going to So a lot of – A lot of used car dealers. That's all South Jersey. That and Cranberry Farms, right? 
So interestingly enough here, um, this settlement that we're talking about, Ong's Hat, is a very, very old place, older than the Declaration of Independence. And I was going to read the whole article to begin with because I love all things New Jersey and American Revolution. And then the last line of the paragraph about this conspiracy theory says, interdimensional time travel. What? That just that, – that like makes my antenna – Kind of, uh, yeah, I, li- I like that stuff. <laughs> Quantum Leap's like my favorite show. So any type of time travel thing, I'd like. I'm I'm interested in. I just uh, this is Leap. a good one then because this is. Um, I want you to tell me because we have to draw fact or fiction here. I full disclosure to the the listeners and the the viewers. I can't pretend that this is a scholastic endeavor. Do not cite college papers with what we're about to talk about here. <laughs> I have to say that because it's been done before. Tammany Hall, thank you very much. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, you tell me where you guys are getting off on the train here, okay? You, the big kahuna, you, Joe Conti, and sound off on the comments, uh, text me, tell me when you guys are done with this story. Okay. Because it gets extremely believable until- It doesn't. Well, you tell me what part of the train ride you want to hop off at. Whatever station you're done with, you tell me, okay? Okay. So we'll keep that going here in the comments section and everything as well. Um, Ong, by the way, O-N-G- I'm done. It's a, <laughs> it's a very, very common last name in the Pine Barrens. Uh, and one such, uh, one such fella by the name of uh, what we'll call him James Ong or Christian Ong uh, for lack of a, a better name. But uh, Christian Ong is a, a fella with a reputation as a little bit of a ladies man. He's got some, uh, he's got some stuff going on, man. He's, a, he's an interesting guy. What he likes to do is put on his finest outfit and attend the local dances. Is his name actually Christian? I don't you, think so. Okay. Why would you say that, Kahuna? Yeah, I'm just asking. I'm just wondering because it was so, throwing me off. What uh, time period is this from right now? So you are in a pre-American Revolution is, okay. time period. Okay. Fashion. Go ahead. Okay. So that, and it's a great question too because that's part of the setting here. So let's say um, this guy, last name Ong, for lack of a better you know name, Christian Ong, is going to go to these uh, go to these big parties. He knows all the ladies are going to be there, all the dancing hall parties, and he goes up there and he's got this uh, this fine silk hat that he puts on, right? To let everybody know he's got something going on, okay? The equivalent of maybe like a, a nice, uh, a nice, like a, like a gold chain for like an athlete or something <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? I was thinking of an Italian, but you know, oh, an you athlete, could, Italian. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's a <laughs> <laughs> tattoos, rings, infl- a nice car. That's kind of what he's showing up in. His silk hat is his Maserati, okay? And he likes to do that. He likes to be a little bit of a player. And apparently um, this leads to uh, either, there's four different versions of the story. Either he got so frustrated with uh, some of the women in town because they were all figuring out, you know, his game, and it was uh, a John Tucker must die type situation. <laughs> okay, good reference there. Um, another thing that was uh, potentially there as well is that um, another guy got pissed off at him, saying like, "Hey, quit hitting on all the women here, man. They're not all for you. You know, so we got we, we should be able to, you know, talk to some of the girls too. Do you like to show up with your big silk hat?" And then um, another argument is that uh, he himself either got so fed up with them. Because they were, you know, like teaming up on it, or a couple of the women got together and decided this is the consensus here in the story. All four accounts all say that Christian Ong's hat was taken off and stomped on, whether it be by him, some of the ladies at some of the parties, or a couple of the fellows at a couple of the parties. And then the hat, whether it's thrown by him up in the air out of frustration or thrown by the women or the men at the party, winds up in a tree, in a giant tall pine tree down in the Pine Barrens. And the hat gets stuck up there. And it stays up there and it becomes the landmark for the town and they name it Ong's Hat. So if you can see a tree that has Christian Ong's hat in it, 
that means you must be near Ong's hat. Ong's Ong's hat. hat. So very, very on the nose, much like Spanktown, New Jersey. That's the original name of Rahway, by the way. Is it really? Absolutely true. They named it after a guy who bent his wife over in front of everyone and spanked her in front of the entire town. (laughs) And later, a Revolutionary War skirmish will be fought there, and men died at Spanktown. (laughs) So... Uh, but that's that's how I you know love American history. It's uh, it, it's better than uh, it's better than most fiction. And by the way, great great uh, jumping off point here too. Fact or fiction? That's kind of the the where we're going with the show. This is a history's mysteries episode. Okay, that's kind of what we're doing here. The, that's like the cheap uh, ancient aliens history channel stuff. Okay. When my father gets back, we'll do a nice prestigious Teddy Roosevelt historical piece or something like that, <laughs> or a Brad Meltzer's decoded. But right now we're doing the ancient aliens thing. You know. Um, Cahoons, uh, so if you could bring up uh, – I think we have – I know the sign picture already went up. And then what else do we have over here? We have the, um, the portal, the cabin, the boards. Well, and well, go ahead and, uh, and show me the um, the cabin, if you will. Cabin. That's a creepy one right there. So Hey, it says do not enter. Yeah, that's a, um, a creepy looking cabin. Now, the reason why this town is so spooky is because it doesn't exist anymore. Okay, it is a ghost town in New Jersey. This is an abandoned settlement, and at one time, this was the absolute hub of the Pine Barrens over here. Okay, it was pretty wild over here. Um, now, depending on what time frame you're talking about, too, uh, it means different things to be uh, in Ong's Hat at different times. So during the Revolutionary War, it meant you were near some of the Hessian encampments. Literally, American Revolutionary War maps showed, uh, and British war maps showed where the Hessians would be encamped, and Ong's Hat would show up on the map. I, I have the who are the Hessians? What are the Hessians? I'm so glad you asked, Joe. Okay, the Hessians are actually badass, mostly German uh, mercenaries. Uh, so that that's pay for play, uh, soldier of fortune type thing um, that were being hired and brought over by the British, and they were heavy duty involved over in uh, New Jersey. Uh, Didn't we cover them briefly in, in an episode of the past? We have talked about them in the past too because they were badass. They were professional soldiers. They looked crazy, right? Like they had some wild looking outfits, right? There's uh, there's some inner because it's kind of like got a Prussian vibe to none it. None of them had Ong's hat on though. No, none, of them, none <laughs> of them had Ong's hat on. They That's could, why it's a ghost They, they couldn't reach the top of the tree. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, uh, the Hessians are very badass soldiers and they definitely have a Prussian Napoleonic era kind of look to them, Coons. So you're right about that. Uh, this is obviously pre-Napoleonic era at the time frame. But uh, it's it's cool because um, the Hessians are most remembered in American history uh, for being caught off guard when Washington decided to cross the Delaware and they were a little tuned up from drinking too much of that good old German style beer uh, on Christmas Eve. And uh, Washington was able to whoop a little ass, uh, let you know, East Coast style, letting you know <laughs> the boys from Jersey just stopped by real quick. <laughs> but enough about the Battle of Trent. We'll get into that one here at another time when we bring in uh, my, my scholastic uh, father, if you will. But um, anyway, uh, now that's an interesting one. Now, if you were near Ong's Hat post-Civil War era, so we're talking about 100 years later, okay, it is now a hub of entertainment deep in the woods thanks to two main major practices – one of them being bootlegging, okay, which is booze, not uh, not ripping movies off, <laughs> all right? And then uh, prize fighting is the other one. So you could bring boxers in. Now, imagine if you will. You've been to Atlantic City before, right, Joe? Of course. So what are the two biggest things to do in Atlantic City? Uh, gamble and shows. Gambling, know? boozing, you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah and, and – sh- it's it's all of the the you know it's it's got like four of the 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 seven deadly sins yeah. right in AC <laughs> anyway so you're right there hookers and and uh, drinking and uh, sh- strippers and gambling all of it 
You go down there. For East a, Coast Sin City. It, yeah. it really is. It was. It was first. It was first. They had to. They figured it out. That's where somebody just went to the desert, and they were like, "This reminds me of Atlantic City, just without any oceans or anything." <laughs> but imagine, if you will, that uh, now there's an Atlantic City deep in the Pine Barren. So deep in the woods here, if you can make it to this weird place, it, it almost sounds like um, like a rave of some sort, or like some sort of a mystical party where you're almost like, like a. a, 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 a uh, not a prehistoric, but like a 200-year-old fight club, sort of. Ooh, I like that. You know? Like, yeah. uh, kind of like a secret, not society, but like a Me, thing that you- you, you Ong's know? hat, yeah, midnight. Like, yeah, like a, a place that Worth you're like- sure. Yeah, like a little uh, best kept little secret, you know, like yeah. nobody knows. Like you go down here at this bar, they got the best hot dogs or whatever. You know, first it's rule like, of Ong's hat: you don't talk about Ong's, Ong's hat. hat. <laughs> <laughs> That's a line right there. That might be um, that might be the title of the episode. <laughs> so he's very right. You know, like walk into the woods. All right, you're gonna go. You find this giant pine tree. There's a silk hat up in there. All right, That's where you already lost me. And, it's like I would never. Exactly. Well, you have because we've talked about it before too. You have. Um, you I have, have nope vision. It's I know, <laughs> nope. <laughs> I know when to nope the fuck out of a situation at any given time. I was gonna say. Well, <laughs> I have other ideas too because there, there's a million sketches I want to do about this stuff too for where you would draw the line versus <laughs> versus someone like me. Who, I've sat there and I was like, I could drive to this place tonight if I wanted to. Um, but again, so th this is an interesting time to be here. It's like a little Atlantic City deep in the woods in the Pine Barrens, okay? And these are you know, peculiar but uh, upstanding people. And it's a hub of entertainment. So there's a lot of industry and stuff like that going on. There's mills, other things like that going. It's a legit town. It's a legit settlement. And there's actually uh, one of the first creepy things that happens over here is a family by the name of the Chinaiskis, okay, lived in the area at one point, but then sort of kind of just vanished. Yeah. They disappeared. Now, Mr. Chinaski, uh, the Burlington County Sheriff's will eventually send someone to go look him up and figure out what happened to this guy. And he's actually located in New York City. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I used to live there. Yeah, I don't anymore. Why? Why? What, what do you guys uh, What do you guys need? Can I help you with anything? <laughs> oh, it's so weird. Um, we found a, a, a full skeleton um, and what appears to be your wife's severed head. Um, we found the skull. And we just wanted to know, you know, how's she doing? Have you seen her lately? <laughs> and uh, he had no answers, but they couldn't prove anything either. And the skull was actually kept on the sheriff's desk for the rest of his law enforcement career as Ooh. a memory of an unsolved mystery, someone he couldn't he couldn't do uh, justice for. I'm sorry, but that's that's even creepier than the story itself. Agree. Hey, well, is that a real skull back there? Yes. Actually, it's someone I, I failed miserably. <laughs> <laughs> like, what kind of self-hating bullshit is that like if that dude like wanted to hate himself yes put the skull of your victim yeah, or someone you those, couldn't help yeah could be one of those like but almost the like skull super ambitious and he needs to put that there to remind him of you know the one that got away yeah but why not like a scar for some like normal shit or uh, I, I don't fucking know but the skull of the i don't know that's some white people shit <laughs> <laughs> well it's the whole thing is odd. All right, fine. Um, I'll rephrase. That's some Ong's hat shit. Oh, I, I'll take that one too. Because now that there's a visual component too, we can't lie and tell everybody that uh, you know Kahuna is actually a, a small Filipino lady. <laughs> I'd love to see Ong's hat on the skull. I'm just saying. I think that's interesting. Awesome. <laughs> that would be cool. See that's how it fits. Interesting. Yeah. Now, I, and I like the Ong's that the Ong's hat thing doesn't. It sounds like one of those things that became lore or it became 
something real from a fable, from a story. So it's almost like it could have happened and then eventually it came down, but the story was told and retold and retold. And I think that's, and so that's, I don't say I don't believe it, or but it, it sounds believable so, to a sense where yeah. the story had happened. It doesn't mean the hat's still up there, obviously. They, they play it's, into the mysticism. It's almost, yeah. it's almost like it's been told so much that the, the fiction became fact. Yeah. And it's nothing crazy. It's not like a guy was stuck up there. It's yeah, a hat. no. It's a hat. It's but not like, like so unbelievable that nobody would believe that it ever happened. Yeah. Well, the creepiest part, too, is that uh, you have a weird story about the inception of the town. You have some weird stuff going on in the town. And then I know I said it already, but guys, the town's not there anymore. Like, yeah. Like not even any like remnants. If or you could bring up uh, the boards photo, Cahoons. Um, so we showed the cabin earlier. This is actually uh, I, I believe this is part of the hiking trail that goes through there. I'm not sure if those boards are part of the trail to get you through like some of the, the murky swamp area. Or um, if that, but that's on the outskirts. You apparently come to clearings uh, over here in this town where you can just see like uh, some overgrown foundations where buildings used to be. And then there's occasionally you find like a little section of like an old roof or something like that to prove that it did once exist. But this is a verifiable ghost town. We hear ghost town, especially me growing up on the East Coast. I don't know about you guys. We all did. Uh, we're all East Coast guys right here. Um, but we, you I think envision. of tumbleweeds in Texas. Oh, yeah. yeah. You think yeah, of we're somewhere out. But in- for it to be in Jersey, like, I think that's where that, that's what you're talking about. You're like, wait a minute. Jersey, it's a very small place, relative, relatively speaking. And there are so many people that live in this state. Yeah. You're like, wait a minute. So there's a place that used to be a town. Yes. And it's, it's not there anymore. It's very creepy. That is. Yeah, that's the that's to probably us, the weirdest thing. So yeah, far. for us, it's strange. It Meanwhile, is. someone from Texas could be like, you think that's a ghost? Town. Right. Because like <laughs> yeah. like he prefaced in the beginning, Jersey's a place where you're nowhere. There's no place in the in Jersey where you're more than two and a half hours away from somebody else. Facts. It's not Texas where you could drive 12 hours and still be in Texas. <laughs> so. I think that's where this whole thing is is stemming from. Oh, yeah. it adds another level too, because again, uh, we're talking about some a location that we could drive uh, within a half hour and be there. It, it's close. It's not it's, a far it's away. A half, drive. It's half hour from Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Good lord, that's the thing. How many times have we uh, covered this on the show too? Um, that something has been literally uh, a stone's throw away from us, and it's actually like we we do live. We joke that it's the center of the universe here in New Jersey. But you do have, um, you know, all the the ridiculous um, the, the sanitariums over in Philly. Um, you got uh, uh, made, you know, Revolutionary War battles, uh, major occurrences, people born. The atomic bomb was made across the street from our old fucking studio <laughs> in Eaton Town. Very creepy. Yeah, there right. were san- we used to go into these uh, sanitariums in like uh, the West Caldwell Verona area. Uh-huh. Where Cedar we Grove, were teenagers. Yeah. Where they we were grew up in, in similar town, yeah, like two yeah, towns away. where it was insane asylums that were empty. And every kid tells a story about going through there and we're in the basement and there's papers all over the place and files tipped, you know, file cabinets tipped over. And that was like what we did on a Saturday. Yeah, you know? that's, that just shows how long it's been since the Jets or Giants were competitive. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> um, <laughs> It's 100% true, too. And the, the creepiest one was walking around like in a – because you get in your own head. You spook yourself out in these places. Someday I will drive through there and mark my words, it will be during the summertime and it will be uh, before – it will be during the daytime, okay? And I'll bring Christian and I'll tell him like, oh, we're checking out a new spot to, uh, to possibly film another special and then I just won't tell him until we get there. <laughs> um, but 
This is not where. See, the, I happen to know Christian, and he probably wouldn't like that very much. He's uh, he's a very talented man, though. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's cool, but like, no. Oh, he's going to figure something out. But uh, I'll tell you, what, here's where the weird <laughs> stuff comes in. Good save, by the way, Kahuna. Um, this is not where the weird shit comes in yet. We've already this covered, is now the weird shit? Well, we've covered the fact that it's a ghost town. We've covered the fact that there used to be prize fighting and bootlegging going on over there. There's uh, Yeah, but that's fun stuff. Yeah. The, the but for something the, to be such a hub for its time and for nothing to be there now, yeah, that's the thing that makes this whole thing weird. weird. Even beyond the hat and the guy Ong. And what kind of name is Ong? Ong, apparently it was a very common last name. So it was probably the Ong family was probably like 13, 14 deep in the town. So they had some considerable sway. Um, but it is interesting to me that uh, it's a, it's worth mentioning as well here too. We talked about the Jersey Devil. Um, we talked about a ghost town that still exists in New Jersey in the middle of nowhere that's just been abandoned. And we found a dead body already. And now I'm telling you the weird stuff's coming. <laughs> okay. So this is a little funky here, folks. I love New Jersey. Uh, I love this show. <laughs> His name is Christian Ong. His name is Christian. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Back on Fight Club. Yeah, sorry. So here's where the weird stuff comes in. During its heyday, the town was alive and bustling. But like I said, if you take around today, you'll find almost nothing. Ong's Hat is a ghost, ghost, ghost town. Until a book comes out. It changes almost everything. Written by a man by the name of uh, Joseph Metheny. Okay, Metheny, I believe it's uh, pronounced. Um, he's an interesting guy. Not a Jersey guy, a Chicago guy, actually. Um, but he puts this book out, and this book is extremely controversial to this day. He will not admit as to whether or not it's fact or fiction, and there's two different reasons for that. There's some people that absolutely believe 100% the story I'm about to tell you is true. There are other people that say he had to say that it was part fiction, because he was forced to say that in order to keep his own life, because he stumbled upon some stuff he wasn't supposed to find. He shouldn't be telling these stories, these campfire tales we're about to tell you here, folks. And then there's other people are like, this is a work of fiction, and it has been used in multiple movies. You guys are going to, I know both of you guys are going to be able to pick apart where, um, what movies or stories took part from this and then use it for their own thing. There's a couple interesting ones here. Um, Cahoons, could you bring up a photo of the portal? The portal. Bowl. So that is a, uh, a classic road, uh, you would imagine. Um, that, that's very much like the road that I would drive down with Uncle Paulie when we would go into um, his hunting camp. Now, imagine if I saw that weird portal of interdimensional stuff going on up there. The stars are pretty cool at night out there, but um, you know, I never saw anything quite like that. If you're looking at this picture here, that's what is just a sand, dirt road, the big pine trees of the Pine Barrens, and then some millennial falcon type stuff going on in the background there. I'm just wondering if there's a, a guy made of straw and a little girl with a dog walking through there too. <laughs> see, the I gonna, road thing. see, I was going to say more Falcor. I was waiting for him to show up in this photo somewhere, but <laughs> I hear what you're saying. This is kind of weird. So uh, if you could bring up Ong now, the next photo right there. So this is Ong's hat. That that sign, that's carved into a tree from 1830. So this place, I bet you we could still find that somewhere. I'm, I'm sure that tree is probably still standing. It's 200 years old. It's pretty cool, man. Um, so that's an old photo, obviously, too. We don't know if it's still there. But this is where the creepy, creepy, creepy side story comes in. And again, just for emphasis, one more time, if you could pull up the cabin photo, just so people can know kind of what's still standing out here. Someone has a uh, has you know obviously put a six 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 and an upside down cross there. Usually that's just to mess with people. But Blair, is which that, project is, did a number? Is that a garage where Kevin Spacey is doing bench presses right now? <laughs> <laughs> excellent pull, excellent. Thank pull. you, thank you. It's creepy, man. It's a, it's, it's a sick, very strange, especially when you know that 
there's nothing else around there. That's a, that's not just in the woods in a town where there's stuff going on and then there's this house nope. or a little thing. That's everything. That's why whenever the, the gun argument comes up with people, you always have to remind them that uh, the people who are the furthest removed from society um, are the ones that need to be um, taken into account for response times. You're in trouble out there in those woods. That's a creep. Blair Witch Project scared the shit out of a lot of people as well. It should. And it was just the idea that these are college kids that went hiking in the woods and didn't come back. So now enter this one here. This book is called um, Ong Hat The Beginning. Okay. And according to his book, which is, again, considered fiction or nonfiction, depending on who you're talking to, it has a story about how in the 1950s, there was something known as the Moorish Orthodox Church. The Moors, Moorish being, you know, the, the Moors, if you will, that would be um, the people who were able to travel from uh, the Middle East uh, into parts of Northern Africa and then also into Sicily. That's why there's such a, uh, there's a kind of a, a Muslim vibe to some of the architecture in parts of Sicily and, and other parts of Italy and everything as well. Uh, so it, it was a huge, huge empire that eventually got repelled back by uh, Charles Martel and everything like that mm-hmm. and uh, Charlemagne. But that's, um, that's a huge way that we were able to uh, – it's kind of – they call it the Islamic Empire, uh, the Moors at one time. And they went through a whole thing called – I think it's the Muslim synthesis where they actually were bringing in their own um, – because they studied the stars. They had their own astronomers and stuff like that. And then they combined that with the Greeks and they considered Aristotle the foremost teacher. So if you don't have this moment where the, the Muslim, you know, for lack of a better term, reformation, ref, reformation is going on um, – they're they're studying a lot of the ancient sciences and then they're combining it with new – so it, it's going to be all the stuff that later, a couple hundred years later, leads to the Renaissance. By the way, so. you said about seven words that I haven't heard since high school, <laughs> by the way. Reformation, Charlemagne, all these things that are just bringing back – Well, Charlemagne is a radio god. So. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, there's a couple good ones on there. Uh, so enough with my weird uh, diatribe down that one. I'm trying to explain what the, the Moors are. And uh, this Moorish Orthodox Church is going to be an Eastern Orthodox type church. So that's – so those who don't know, when Rome split, they went into uh, – um, when the Roman Empire fell, you went into the West, which turned into Europe, if you will, which is the whole idea of uh, France, Germany, uh, Holy Roman Empire and stuff like that. And then the East was uh, Byzantium, which went for the Eastern Orthodox thing. That's going to be your uh, – uh, Kind of a, a little bit of a Turkish vibe on stuff here, your Austro-Hungary, stuff like that. So anyway, um, that church is uh, – this particular church, this Moorish Orthodox church blends all these things here. They're blending uh, Eastern mysticism with uh, old school Western philosophy. Uh, they're bringing all sorts of ideas here too. So they're part Christian. There's an Islamic influence in there. There's some old school, Old Testament kind of uh, uh, Jewish uh, Kabbalah type stuff in there. It sounds um, like a real potpourri of all the religions. Like it would actually maybe – and I don't know anything about it, but it almost sounds like they're trying to grab some of the stuff that they think might be applicable to them out of all the different religions, or at least the ones that you're mentioning. It just oh, yeah. sounds – it actually sounds intriguing. Yeah, they were um, – they'd be – I'll tell you what. It would be a hell of a pamphlet if you were handed that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <clears throat> but – Anyway, so uh, this is a true church that exists uh, to this day. Kind of, I went through its heyday in like the 1950s, 1960s. The beatniks were coming to this, uh, uh, you know, through and through. So, according to Matheny's work here, members of the church, uh, specifically white jazz mu- uh, musicians and poets uh, from the 1950s, they had left the Newark congregation and began traveling the world. And the central figure, all this, is being a guy by the name of Wally Fard, F A R D, Fard, Wally Fard. So, 
uh, Fard will return from overseas and uses all this money that he has. And I didn't really get any details as to how he came into this money, whether he had it beforehand or if it was, you know, uh, acquired during his travels, if you will. Um, but he uses the money to buy up uh, about 200 acres of land in the Pine Barrens because land was dirt cheap out there. It still is dirt cheap out there. You can actually live in the Pine Barrens now for uh, a relatively low sum compared to that of a uh, Passaic Morris County, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, Jersey yeah. City where the Coons yeah. is from. $1,500 for a studio apartment in Clifton, New Jersey or something, right? Oof, uh, that's uh, in the 90s maybe. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, Fard's going to come over here. And by the way, he's got all this land now that he's bought. And he has an army with him of runaway boys from Bergen County, which sounds a little creepy. But yeah. that's just because we know too much now. And apparently he brought with him uh, his two disciples, if you will, in this new uh, venture he's in, are uh, two lesbian anarchists. Okay. So uh, pretty accurate description. Uh, it's – uh, the combination of people is fascinating. Yes, we have runaway boys from Bergen County. We have an ancient mysticism guy who's been traveling around the world learning about this. Diff and we have uh, two anarchist lesbians. <laughs> so um, anyway. The, I think the, they actually uh, were a club group in the 90s. I think they had a couple of hit songs. <laughs> I believe yeah. you're describing Ace of Bass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, now he's going to start what he's going to call his religious sect. Um, but my pal Jack Steiger knows all too well what's it really mean. What's a what's a religious sect mean, Joe Conti? I think it just means he just wants to have a little cult. And <laughs> it's a cult. Yeah, yeah, and just wants to have sex with all the girls. Only or, a little cult, not like a big one. Yeah, yeah, just a little, cult. just a few people. What's wrong with that? Yeah. No. A tiny cult. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, tiny cult. A, a cult that cares. <laughs> For as little as $3 a month, folks, I will start a cult. <laughs> and it happens to be the amount of the Patreon, too. So Exactly. Our God is Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> um, but this is interesting here. So Fard is able to, uh, thanks to the magic of Xerox, is able to put down the cult's beliefs into writings and spread the word of his truth of what this sect is all about. So uh, this will attract many people to kind of flock towards the Pine Barrens. They're seeing a population boom again especially in Ong's hat, okay? And uh, this Pine Barrens thing, that's where he's setting all this stuff up. It's kind of the center of uh, the, the hub, if you will, of this new sect is going to be uh, the place where the arrival of two people uh, known as, uh, described as the Dobbs twins, who were something of pariahs in the Texas scientific community where they were from originally. Uh, cults were nothing new for the Dobbs twins, by the way. Their own father had raised them in a cult that he had started that worshipped UFOs. All right. Uh, Worshipped UFOs. Worshipped UFOs. Now, by the way, um, the Catholic Church does accept the idea now that Jesus might have been an alien. They accept that. There, there's that. That's an official decree from the Catholic Church. And in addition to that, too, these people must have been mocked endlessly. He thinks there's unidentified flying objects in the sky. And what happened two years ago during COVID? They're like, yeah, so you got to wear masks on uh, the subway and uh, we recommend uh, eating outdoors instead of inside. Also, there's UFOs we've absolutely seen and we have tons of evidence of. We just don't know what they what are. The they are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, those people would have been mocked endlessly during their lifetimes. And if they had lived long enough to see this, it makes it, it I'll tell you what, it vindicates any lingering doubts you have about some stuff because there is no such thing as absolutism in this world, whether that be your decision that there is a God or there isn't. You don't know, okay? There's And you can't prove one the other way. It's very true. So, um, the Dobbs twins had actually been kicked out of Princeton 
for a theory that they were working on called cognitive chaos. And Kahuna, tell me when this starts to sound familiar to you. Okay. Okay, because you were in studio with us for a very popular episode we did. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, Mike Cannon came on as a guest to help us talk about it too. That That's how um, – uh, niche this particular topic is, but that's how similar okay. this is about to get. I think you know where we're heading already. All right. The uh, the Dobbs twins, like I said, their their theory is known as cognitive chaos. The idea being that the human brain is capable of much more than its typical normal use. That we're only using a portion of our brain. Oh God! And that the untapped abilities of our brain, mainly the subconscious, tapping into that, could produce effects. Uh, their idea being that if you tapped into the full potential of your brain, you could purge your own body of illnesses and diseases. And uh, uh, it's it's essentially the elevator pitch for that Bradley Cooper movie, Limitless. Limitless. Right. And okay. then uh, that, that Scarlett Johansson movie, Lucy. Oh, I didn't that was, know that That's one. another one. It's, I've it's, never watched a uh, Scarlett Johansson movie with the sound on, I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably better off like that anyway. It's a- with Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that premise... It was cool the minute that we found it out, but like the minute it was disproven and projects still kept coming out, it was like, okay, guys. Yeah, that we, we don't know. use 10% of our yeah, brains. Yeah, we, we know this is science fiction. Oh, God. But there are um, aspects of people who believe you can, uh, you can heal yourself with your own mind. Uh, oh, totally. There, you know, there there are that aspects of it where you can heal your physical body with your mind, uh, but they're not saying that you're only using ten percent of your brain and now you're using the other ninety. Right. Like, That's the like, key. Right. Yeah. So um, no, uh, but therapies like this and trying to get into the uh, the the unconscious mind, if you will, that's going to be the work of Freud. That's going to be the work of Edward Bernays, lose reception. Uh, it's also going to be part of the work of uh, Dr. Harvey Kellogg, who um, another, if you want to go oh, all the way back into year God. one. Yeah, Loserception. Oh yeah, he's the guy who created uh, Kellogg's cornflakes. His brother's the one. Who yeah, that had all to, had all to do with like masturbation or something. Yes, he uh, he he wanted people to stop masturbating, so he gave them cornflakes. Um, <laughs> and by the way, always take advice from a doctor uh, who performed his own circumcision at age thirty-two. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I forgot about that fun fact. Yep. Don't worry, oh, Kahuna. How old are you? Uh, none of your business. Well, tell you what, we're getting you for your thirty-second birthday. Let's yeah, not say we do. Milk is going to sting. I'll tell you that right now. Live <laughs> on air. Live on air. We will. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> I would have to actually agree with you too, then. I would have to, uh, yeah. <laughs> that would be my first two. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. All right. Learning yeah. a lot about Joe Conti today, yeah. folks. Yeah. Uh, Calamari rings for everybody. So. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Larry Burke. I'm sorry. As soon as you can get back. As soon as you can get back. <laughs> Oh my uh, god. We're off the rails. But but like we said, folks, we, we still are going to tell a story. I promise you that one. Visual aids, not always a good <laughs> thing. But uh so this idea of tapping into the full potential of your brain, it's very enamoring. You know, I mean they sell um what's it that that uh, Joe Rogan supplement that on it makes. It's called Alpha Brain. And by the way, I have taken it and it does fire you off at a couple extra RPM. My sentences are a little bit smoother. I'm able to kind of focus on more different things. It, it's kind of just natural Adderall is kind of what I'm looking at it as. But uh, that's the whole thing here. Um, over the next three years, the Dobbs twins are going to experiment with a device that they develop that they call the egg. Okay? It's called the egg. And uh, 
They're working heavily in here. They're in Ong's hat. That's where all this is going down here. And their research is being well-funded now by Wally Fard's religious sect. They're making sure they're dumping all their money in this because they think that they found something here. It could be the discovery of a century, uh, maybe even of, of the millennium, if they can find a way to tap into the full potential of your brain and start ridding the world of different diseases. So um, they're running different experiments here. They're running experiments where uh, well, what if we test this egg thing on somebody with, uh, you know, what if we put drugs into their system, whether it be an upper or a downer? Okay. What if the person, what if two people have sex while they're hooked up to this egg thing? What if a person just had sex? What if a person's about to have sex? And they're, they're playing all these. So sex, drugs, and mind control experimentation. I don't remember that part of the What's song. What's that sound like to you, Kahuna? Wait a minute. This sounds a little bit like a CIA program. No. K-Ultra, doesn't it? Yep. Kahuna is off the train, folks. He's done. He's done. No more Kahuna vision. He's walking towards the door. The great kazoo has left the building. (laughs) But I don't know if you're familiar with that one, Joe. I don't don't know that. MKUltra is a proven um, program that uh, the CIA had during the 50s and the 60s. (laughs) During the 50s and the 60s, they actually were running experiments. Uh, that was the first time that uh, LSD was starting to be given to people. They were using LSD as a weapon. That's what – okay. I've heard about mm-hmm. the LSD thing. Go ahead. There were murders that got covered up there too. It was uh, a lot of experimentation and a lot of stuff that the CIA has eventually explained we had no control over and also accidentally created the Grateful Dead. Um, 100% <laughs> true, by the way. I'm not making any of this stuff up. Uh, one of the uh, patients that was being tested on for MK Ultra was um, – uh, there's a couple of them. Uh, Ted, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. Okay, um, yeah, that's right. Other people that, that they said were uh, being experimented on was uh, other Where musicians. he said his, his life completely changed. He went from one type of human being to another. Mm-hmm. And my father actually went to a speaking event that uh, Ted Kaczynski's brother was at, the Unabomber's, Unabomber's brother. And uh, he was just talking about you know the, the change that went on there and just kind of being – Trying to still, you know, sit there and support them, and uh, you know, in ways that you can that you feel comfortable with, and it's a crazy story here. But now this version is we're taking MK Ultra, which was a wild West Coast party ran by the CIA and funded by the U.S. military, uh, with again all declassified. This is all available on Wikipedia. You can research a lot of shit. Donate two sixty seven or whatever it is every couple of months that they ask for. Let's keep Wikipedia alive, folks. Um, it's cheaper than my show, but it is what it is. <laughs> Now picture MK Ultra instead of taking place out in San Francisco and LA and stuff like that with a weird, mysterious guy looking through a, a mirror, um, you know, smoking a cigarette, watching you freak out on acid that a hooker just gave you. Now imagine that's going on in the Pinelands of New Jersey, about 40 minutes from where we sit right now. And uh, they're using this experiment on this thing called the egg. And eventually this is what winds up happening here. In pursuit of the discovery of a lifetime, of being able to use the full potential of your brain for whatever purpose is here to verify the beliefs of this religious sect by Wally Fard, these Dobbs twins are doing three years worth of research. And one day, like I said, about three years into the research, one of the runaway boys from Bergen County is the subject of an experiment in the egg. The egg. Uh, as is being you know, it, it, kind of a harmless name too, by the way, here. Um, but the egg is being used to attempt to harness the chaos, okay? The chaos of the is, cognitive mind. Is the here. egg the contraption that they're, they're using? Okay. Yeah. I, I saw one illustration of it. I didn't want to uh, use it as a visual aid because I didn't know if it was someone's art, personal art that they had rendered for it. But it, it kind of looked like an egg thing, like two shells of an egg placed on each side of someone's head kind of a thing. Okay. Another one I saw was a giant headphones? egg. headphones? 
Yeah, kind of like it looked like Beats by Dre. <laughs> um, but uh, should we do a Google search? Uh, I'm curious. I'll tell you what. If you can pull something up, let me know and interrupt me here. Look for um, the egg from Ong Hat and see if you can pull up any pictures of that one too. Oh, look, uh, Hannah, 39 in Northvale, wants sex tonight. Uh, good. <laughs> Thank you, ads. <laughs> Northvale, jeez, it's not going all the way up there. Are you kidding? <laughs> um, so Coon is going to look for that here too. While I tell this story, though, all right, um, this runaway boy from Bergen County is in the chair, okay, in the egg, if you will, and uh, they actually have a picture of it there. That is a diagram to the left of it, uh, Kahuna, all the way to the left. You right see here? the the, the blueprint. If you want to pull that one up, that one you can show people. That's actually kind of interesting here. Uh, tell me what you guys think it is when you see this. And again, sorry to the audio listeners not able to see this. Beats um, by Dre. I, I will post this. Um, can you enlarge that one just so the folks can see it a little bit better? Or? Uh, let's do it. Let's do it. That might be the best. So it, it does – you see where the name Egg comes from. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's a creepy looking thing here. It kind of looks like a, a, a go-kart. Okay. So, But it, that, that's what the thing looks like. They put this poor kid in there. They hook him up to all the monitors and all the equipment and stuff like that. Again, this is three years of research. They're doing this every single day. You don't know if the kid's on drugs or something like that. Um and what winds up happening, folks, the egg, as it is being used to harness the chaos of the, the unconscious mind, disappears. What? Yep. Takes the boy with it. It's gone. No one knows what happened. Again, I'm presenting this is part of the urban legend of the area here. I'm not presenting this as uh, uh, absolute, uh, you know, um, the Facebook fact checkers could have a, a wild party with this one if they wanted to. In other words, it disappeared like before their eyes or like it was there. And then the next day it was gone and the boy's gone. As the experiment is going on, the egg disappears with the boy inside of it. It reappears a few moments later. And again, you want to go into the idea of time and stuff like that. The boy apparently is telling people, he goes, I went to another universe. There's another plane of existence. I've been there. Time slows down, perhaps. I don't know. Okay. Kind of, this is again, wherever you guys want to get off here. I'm just telling the urban legend as it is told and recorded. Uh, thanks to the good people over at uh, Weird New Jersey, one of the great websites, books, newsletters of all time. Um, and also, you can verify this on other, th there's a couple other things I read as well. Again, insider.com reported on this. There's a, a mention of it in the Wikipedia article for the town of Ong's Hat. It's pretty nuts. But according to the work, the runaway boy reappeared a few moments later, still inside the egg, claiming to have been to another dimension. These silly pineys in the woods just opened a gate to another dimension. <laughs> All right. It's time travel from people that call it pork roll. <laughs> <laughs> and if you notice that it looks, if you look at the picture, the, you know, it's obviously a drawing, but it looks like a fetus. In a uterus. Oh, that's interesting. It, you know what I mean? Like, if you look at it, it looks like when you're taking a picture and you're like, oh, is it, it going to be a boy or a girl? And it's, it looks like that, you that's know? That's interesting. That's that's funny that you would say that, too. Obviously, the egg's also going to bring up the idea of, uh, you know, life and stuff. Of course. And, um, of course, too, it does look like, you know, space travel devices and stuff like that. It could be a little bit of Tron. Could it be a little bit of, uh, you know, almost anything on that. But- Apparently, this is the story here is that the egg then uh, reappears with the boy inside of it. And uh, he's now said, I, we've opened a gate to another dimension. They refer to this as the gate moving on here. And again, this is from this guy's book that he's very loosey-goosey, if you will, about uh, how he wants to – well, you know, the, there's 
uh, historical, you know, uh, uh, paperwork that I found on this that proves all this. This is actually brought up as like a technical drawing. It's actually signed in the corner there on the left, as you can see, by one of the Dobbs twins. So that's kind of interesting. So is this just an elaborate work of fiction here? Is this a great urban legend? Is this a true story here? There are people – and by the way, they do say this on both sides of the account – is that both um, groups, whether they believe it's fiction or whether they think that it was fact, presented as fiction as a legal scapegoat move, the numbers are about the same. People are split on this, whether or not it's real. But it it the – look, up until the part of disappearing and going into another dimension, all of this other stuff actually happened. Ong's hat absolutely exists. Um, like they, named they, after they came up with this sect and, and this little cult thing was happening 60 years ago. They can't disprove it. Okay. Now, one interesting thing I found in my little bit of research was that that Moorish Eastern Orthodox Church, the story apparently is saying that the people who were there in the 1950s uh, is where Wally Fard came into the story. Um, the church isn't officially organized until 1965. Does that mean this didn't happen? There's really – again, the author, if you will, the author or the historian depending on which viewpoint you want to take. Uh, and again, tell me in the comments, folks. Let me know. Where where did you get off the train? Cahoon has been gone for about 20 minutes now. <laughs> um, but uh, the author has been very, very disciplined about how he's presenting the information. So you can't disprove a lot of this, but you can't prove it either. So he's playing in that gray area. But – Anyway, uh, which kind of rolls in with religion anyway, because, as you know, you can argue with somebody about God or not God, like you said, and you can't prove that God exists or you can't prove that he doesn't exist. Exactly. So it, it gets difficult, too, because, uh, again, people get heated about this debate here, too. But again, Ong's hat exists. Uh, it's named after a mysterious hat that was thrown up in a tree. Um, it is the Pine Barrens where a lot of weird, creepy stuff goes on in the first place. So it's kind of a natural place for someone to try to write an additional story, you're going to build off the lore of the area. Um, Cahoons, if you could bring up for me uh, one more photo of the portal. Okay. Um, that's kind of what they're saying here is that they might have opened the gate. The gate to another universe could be in our very own Pine Barrens over here. Now, what's also nearby in that area? You guys both grew up in Jersey your whole life. Mm -hmm. If you're down there, uh, civilization, you know what I mean, if you will, for lack of a better term, uh, what's a major place that's going to be down there that draws some attention? Stands out on a map a little bit, maybe a fort or something. Oh, um, the uh, Fort Dix uh, Air Force Base. So you got McGuire Air Force Base and you have Fort Dix out there. That's okay. right. Both of them are right in, mm -hmm. in that area. You're also not too far removed from Lakehurst uh, Naval Station, which is, uh, I won't give it away, but I, I know a famous director that lives near there. Um so that being said, also the Hindenburg went down over there too. So loserception, center of the world, New Jersey. <laughs> Sorry, folks. We didn't mean to do it. My whole point being is that whether this is an urban legend or not, um, this is something – this is kind of how they they wrap up their loose ends for the story if you want to give away to um, – where you can't prove the person wrong. According to this work in uh, Ong Hat, the beginning, the uh, runaway after he reappeared, uh, they've now concluded they have found a gate to another dimension here. But they're also located near a major military installation – Tell me what movies you guys are going to start to think of here as I tell you this one, because this is where it kind of lends itself to, by the way, that probably could happen in real life, but also the movies and stories have kind of taken on a life of its own for it. According to the work, um, when they were near a military installation, which by the way, if you're near a military installation ever, there's always perks, there's positives and negatives. I mean, there's, there's, you're going to have hookers, drugs, <laughs> cheap alcohol, strip clubs, but there's some negatives too. Um <laughs> 
first and foremost here. The negatives would also include what? Possible surveillance, okay? Um, if you're local law enforcement and then there's a Department of Defense installation over here, who really has – what's the chain of command on that one? That was something we were always taught you know, in, in the military as well. It's like, hey, listen, Jacksonville Sheriff's Office, they can't come on the base, but we can work with them. If you pull off a crime, we're not going to protect you. This isn't like a sovereign nation out here. And also if you got in trouble and you got – like one guy on the ship got a DUI and he got in trouble with um, civilian court and then he got in trouble with military court. So it, it's a weird um, chain of command kind of a thing. So anyhow, uh, supposedly, this is what the story is over here. And I can think of three movies already where an outbreak on a military base affects the local people in the town. So Kahuna, you think of any any movies off the top of your head? Uh, um, I got a couple that are popping in there. Uh, Dreamcatcher from Stephen King about a military base that has an, you know, an incident or something like that. I can think of Planet Terror. From uh, Rob Rodriguez, that oh has something God, similar to that. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if the Incredible Blob was something that started <laughs> See, in the military. Base. I wanted to say the Blob, but I didn't want to get laughed at. No, no. <laughs> like I was like, but wait. Well, tell me where now. Here's this is my favorite part of the story here. So, um, there are negatives to living near a military base as well, like we were saying. And uh, again, some of that would be possible surveillance, whether you could be subject to martial law in case of an incident. Um, or, you know, like we said, mistakes or events on the base here. The urban legend is, is that after continuing to experiment with the egg and exploring the gate, the pineys in the woods and their religious cult have discovered time travel. The township of Ong's Hat and the cult sect that operated within it are forced to evacuate when a chemical uh, spills out from nearby Fort Dix. Uh, I believe they even allude to it being some sort of a nuclear fallout type thing. not fallout but a, a, an incident if you will yeah so radiation uh inhospitable so uh the story is is that why everything disappeared in ong's hat is that it didn't they didn't go anywhere they went somewhere else okay so rather than travel to another state they traveled to another dimension and they used the power of that gate to transfer their entire religious sect into another plane of existence where they were the only humans Ong Hat exists in another dimension. Hmm. Whoa. That's the I wish there were a lot making. more cults that did that. <laughs> uh, hang on. A report in Tom Cruise missing. <laughs> Last seen somewhere in the park. Wearing barons. a giant silk hat. <laughs> you know what? I I know we've been making jokes about like how yes the town disappearing is creepy, but can you imagine living in that town, waking up one day realizing, wait, where's all the other humans? It yeah, which which would be another setting to another movie. Yeah. yeah, if they're all the sect. So imagine if you were somebody who lived on the uh, the outskirts and you traveled into you you were friendly enough with the cult, you know what I mean. And then one day you show up and they're gone. Now another cult that thought they were going to hop onto another plane of existence was Heaven's Gate in '97. Right? Did I have that right? Is that '97? I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Joe's good with dates. Um, Pretty close. But uh, so '97 is I think when the Heaven's Gate cult came in and they were crazy. They were all wearing the same type of shoe, and um, that was a brainwashed cult that uh, poisoned themselves. And they all believed that uh, they drank the Kool Aid. I think it was Haley's Comet, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, because they called it Hail Bop. Hail Bop was also <laughs> what they called it, Hail Bop, which is not to be confused with Mbop, you know, the Hanson song. Indeed, yeah. indeed. But yeah, that Somewhere was the Hail Bop, and they they were supposed to be taken off the planet 
It was come Haley's up. Comet. As long as they were dead, their souls could be, if they were in orbit, I think they were going to get scooped up by Haley's Comet and taken to another place. Yeah, yeah, I, think right. I remember that, that was some creepy footage here. And by the way, SNL did one of the funniest um, spoofs of that ever. I think they all wore Nikes. It was either Nikes or Reeboks that they all wore. The entire cult wore the same pair of shoes. And then, um, so let's say it was Nike for the, the joke here. And then um, Saturday Night Live, that Saturday, ran a sketch where they played um, uh, one of the songs that was common in like a Nike commercial. But they did it as a Reebok commercial. And they showed all the dead bodies from the cult wearing the Nike shoes and it says, Reebok, we didn't kill anybody. <laughs> oh, my God, yo. Back when SNL had some teeth still, man. <laughs> Um, oh my God. But anyway, so that's the urban legend here is that uh, the entire town was able to transport through this gate and that Ong's hat still exists on another plane of dimension where they are the only human beings in existence and they're able to practice their beliefs continually. So another part of that story is that they say, well, that's what they wanted to do. But when the government found out that time travel had been discovered in their very own backyard, um, a couple of people who supposedly – one of the, the rumors too is that Delta Force, which may or may not exist, got sent in to wipe everybody out. So you now have a, a time travel thing. And this is a very particular reference, but I think I know the listenership enough that they're going to – there's going to be people that know this. And two of my oldest friends on planet Earth, Charlie Curcio and Chris Hollenbeck, will know exactly what I'm about to talk about here. A scientific experiment – reaches an intergalactic or another dimension of a world here. Maybe some things are coming in, maybe some things are going out, and then the government finds out about it in an attempt to shut it down. They then send in a cleanup crew to kill off all the survivors, right, and to take the technology in for themselves. Sounds a lot like one of the great defining video games of all time, Half-Life. Whoa! Which I burned so many hours, all the hours I should have been learning how to confidently talk to girls when I was in sixth and seventh grade. Facts. Boom, gone. <laughs> Half-life. <laughs> but that's kind of what this sounds like here to me. So they apparently send in Delta Force and they just start killing everybody and they took the technology on for themselves, which is wild because, again, as we covered, shortly thereafter, the CIA is going to start experimenting with you know, some of these similar things. What if we can figure out the unconscious mind? This is psychological warfare. All of a sudden, we get into it right around the time frame that this story supposedly went away about these silly pineys in the woods. So um, now, again, if the, they had to escape this chemical uh, fallout, if you will, um, you know, from from whatever the poisons were that were coming from the experiments on base, they could have just gone to Bayonne, New Jersey, where it's in the drinking water to begin with. <laughs> but instead, it's actually in the bottled water. You actually pay a little <laughs> extra for them. <laughs> I knew it. You know where there isn't any of that. <laughs> Essential water here, H two O, folks. We're not looking. <laughs> I'm gonna for have sponsors. to blur that out now. I'm like, <laughs> no, you're not. You're good. Come on, man. You're good. Leave it up there. I want complaints. Okay, we're looking for attention here. Um, it sounds like Ang's hat is the epicenter for like almost every type of sci-fi movie that's been out in the last forty years. It's it's all there. That's what makes me think lean towards the idea that this is just a great work of fiction. And that a lot of people read it and kind of pulled different ideas. Because you can go through it. You can find um, fingerprints of stories from history. You know, that, that what they do is they just make all the events happen in the same story as opposed to we're going to nitpick this little fun thing from history. Game of Thrones is what if every wild thing in history all happened in six months. You know what I mean? That's kind of what in a different fictional world too. Um, but that's all wild stuff there. So the question is this. Where do you guys – I'm going to ask both of you here too. Uh, we'll go one at a time here. We're going to ask Joe Conti because he's the guest. Is there a part for you of this story where you, you're you out or do you think there's some potential that this is possibly true 
or at least maybe you know because that that's the thing you have to um, apply Occam's razor the hey least guys, amount of assumptions. Hey, 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 Kahuna's back, guys. Because <laughs> I don't know where I stand on this one because uh, it's entirely believable to me that the government would cover something like that up. Okay, yeah. uh, I'm just saying because we've done it before. Um, whether or not they actually discovered time travel, that's probably where I um, draw my line. I would probably say they didn't, but the fear. The FOMO that the U.S. government was having of like, <laughs> well, the Pineys did it. We can't do – we got to go over there. And t- I think that might have happened. That's possible there too. Also, I do believe this could just be some very brilliant writing by Mr. Matheny who wrote – again, the book is called Ong Hat, Ong's Hat, the, uh, the Beginning. When was this published? I think that was in the 60s is what I want to say on that one. So uh, if you could look that one up too. I'm going to throw it to Joe for a second. Joe, where, where do you draw your line? Where- I, I think it's, it's up until the um- – the kid got into the egg. Like I think up until that point, all of it, it's all human behavior in a gone wrong where, whereas if it's the, the guy who had the boys come down, came with the girls, wanted to start his own little, uh, little religion and coupling with the, the Dobbs twins who had like some weird thing going on. And I think, that's where it kind of ended and they probably just kind of uh, not literally, but just kind of ate each other and everybody just ended up getting pissed off at each other. And then it just, they all went their separate ways and just left. I think that's, that's where I kind of go. Once you get to the egg and, and the kid, right. Like what set, what nine year old or 13 year old kid who's a runaway is going to be like, I just found a different plane of existence. You know what I mean? He would just be like, I had a weird dream. Like that would probably be the, <laughs> the, the, the uh, what he could actually some uh, sum- surmise from what just happened to him. Can we get Burger King? <laughs> <laughs> Do they have Burger King in another dimension? <laughs> But yeah, all that stuff, that's all that's all shitty human behavior that has happened throughout uh, you know, history uh, and and uh so I'm I'm there up until that point. The the whole part yes. with the government part, I don't know that whole thing. Maybe they saw they were just like, "What are you guys doing here?" And, and they were like, "Get you know, get out of here. <laughs> Beat it." You know, we have other I weird shit we got. I I think you're uh, I'm probably going to be on the same page as you on that one. That being said, I do want to I'm curious Okay, what the big kahuna has to say about this. All right, my thoughts. Because uh, I could see he was doing some reading in the background, Joe. He's starting to- I mean, <laughs> I always like to believe, I, I, like, I enjoy this type of stuff. I really do, because it's, it's, it's fun fodder. It always has been. Whether it's real or not, I will never be the definitive person to say. However, I've heard stranger stories, and this is one of the stranger, for sure. And I think I'm with you, Joe. I'm right up until kind of the egg. I, but I, I don't know. I I can believe it because this state has proven to be the fucking center of the universe on multiple occasions. We really are. So <laughs> I don't know anymore. I really don't. I wouldn't be surprised if somehow all scenarios are true in one way, shape, or form. It's uh, at some point the story jumps into being almost a Marvel movie. You know what I mean? In terms of it goes full on sci-fi. But like Joe was saying too, this is a drama leading up until that. It's just uh, we're giving these young boys a place to live, and I'm starting my new religion based off the experiences I've had traveling around the world. And oh, these twins are here, and we're trying to study the unconscious mind. All of this. And by the way, you can read, 
it, it is pretty wild too, just for comparison's sake. Another loserception here, not in this particular story, but a comparison piece, if you will. Um, if I was to tell you that this story was 100% true and the story about Jack Parsons, the the you know devil-worshipping rocket scientist that helped develop NASA, um, who also <laughs> inadvertently started Scientology – um, if I told you that that was a work of fiction, you'd be like, well, yeah, that's too ridiculous of a story to believe. <laughs> that's the true one. This is the one we're trying to debate right now. So where where you draw the line is up to you guys. I'm excited about that one, man. Um, I'm going to start to wrap this bad boy up. We're going to get out of here in a second, man. Um, Joe Conti, thank you for coming on, brother. It's great to see you. It this always was is. a lot of fun. Well, dude, you were great on the other episode too, man. We, you were overdue to come back on. Problem is you live up in North Jersey now and we're here in America. So, but, uh, where can people find you? Uh, pretty much uh, all my social media is Joe Conti Comic, and uh, I do my Honeymooners podcast. If you're a fan of the old classic show, we're about to uh, record our 100th episode. Now yeah, we're talking. We're doing. We've done 100 episodes about one show that had 39 episodes. <laughs> what? Imagine the mental illness that we have, and. Uh, and the people who are uh, fans who listen to the show, they're maniacs, and they help us all the time. They give us ideas. See, are you at the point where you're recapping recaps of your recaps of episodes? No, it's, that's you're not, not there how yet. We do the show. That's it's not, not how you do how it. We do the show. We do. We do bits. We talk about different scenes. It's it's so bizarre how from from the moment we started it to where we ended up, there's no way we could have predicted the trajectory. Okay, there's no way we could have predicted it. It's, uh, a lot of fun. it's much like Joe Conte's act. You have no idea. <laughs> and at the end, you get disappointed. So uh, no, that's not true. It's you're, just you're, like my honeymoon. Your so. podcast is great. Listen, uh, 100 episodes is, is no small feat, my friend. Yes, so yeah. major congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Good stuff on that one. And uh, I'll tell you guys what. Um, if you could do me a favor, if you haven't checked it out already, Escape from Jacksonville, my first full comedy special, filmed at the Smod Castle, tweeted about by Kevin Smith, loved by... Uh, almost everybody that's seen it. I, actually, I loved it. I got it. Th thank you. For I that did. Too, I, I truly did. I thought it was fantastic. Well, you were going to, you, it was just that one person in the audience that was so loud with their laugh. I just wanted to strangle them. The, the, the screen on he's, my phone. He's a friend. I knew, I and knew. He, uh, <laughs> and he, he is a fan of the show too, actually. I just, and, uh, <laughs> the, the two camps are either that his laugh makes everything better, which is how I feel. Or other people were like, well, it was pretty distracting. <laughs> And it was I, right in the middle for me. I got a uh, I got a great uh, YouTube comment the other day. Somebody just goes, uh, "Dude, I love your jokes, but you got to learn how to say something other between it's wild, it's crazy, man." Before going into the next thing, and I was like, "Oh, so this guy picked up on the fact that I had worked that day. Um, <laughs> it was my first full go. I mean, I'd done I'd done longer sets before, but I think we did fifty minutes each show on the nose, and it was a panic move for me. Um, and we were able to pull it all off, and literally, I was forgetting what order my own jokes go in because all of a sudden. The pressure's on. There's no mic stand, all right? Um, there was a, a beer next to me. So I, I usually lean on a mic stand just to kind of get comfortable. Now there's no mic stand, and now there's also Kahuna and five of his friends waving thousands of dollars worth of equipment in Man, my face. Man, you wanted a mic stand. <laughs> As I, Good Lord. But we, we, we didn't we know We would have made I, it happen. But I didn't know until I walked out, and I was like, ah, shit, that's what I meant to ask for. And um, But the fact that the guy criticized the transitions and not the material, I even wrote to him. I said, if that's the criticism, I'll take it. It's a great I, criticism. I can get better at the, the, you know, yeah. figuring that stuff out. Right. If, you told if it was me, like, dude, I loved your transitions going into each joke, dude, but the jokes themselves were smooth. terrible. <laughs> then it would have been like, oh, this sucks. You mean you loved my it's wild. It's crazy. But the jokes sucked. Yeah. Then you got a problem. But. Listen, you're terrible at stand up. But my God, were you comfortable up there being terrible? <laughs> 
That is directed, by the way, too, by the esteemed Christian Cordez, who we hope to one day have in studio as a guest. He's currently in Ong's hat um, in another dimension. But uh, uh, Kahuna, anything you wanted to say on your way out, buddy? Nah, man, this was a good one. I always, was good I always one. love going down the rabbit hole of weird New Jersey. We try to because, you know, my father doesn't enjoy it because he's such a, a principled researcher that he would kind of – he'd get a kick out of the story. But this is a story he wants to tell around a campfire with his uh, his, his buddies. Right, you not, know, for a, not for a show. I bet we could come up with something that is like a happy medium. Like there's there's got to be something in the, in the history, kind of like what we did with Jersey Devil where there is a really cool historical aspect to it but a great ghost story. Oh, it's uh, don't worry. The whole month of October coming back as always. We like to dedicate it to weird stories. Oh so, yeah, that's uh, right. I always walk stories from history. I always walk out of here in October feeling like I'm being watched. I love this month well, of American writing, Loser. Even just writing this one, I sat there and I was like, oh, I forgot I have the house to myself tonight. So it's gonna be a little terrifying. But. And and like, how do you not like? I I never heard of Ong's Hat until here. Like, it's weird. Me neither, dude. And just the name itself lends to that it's got to be a weird place oh, like yeah. you know that's that's just a it's it's a weird name of a town and it can't just be like ridgewood new jersey so there had to be something so strange about a straight one of the strangest town names i've ever heard so uh kahuna and that's a great point too and this is what we're gonna actually close on this one if it's all right Coon, it's going to take you a second to pull it up while I say goodbye to everybody. But um, could you just, from our current location, without giving away addresses so we don't have people showing up here with knives, um, just how how long would it take us to get in a car and drive to Ong's Hat, New Jersey right now? I'll do the math. If you could look that up on a good old Google Maps. While he's doing that, though, folks, thank you so much. This was a – if it was your first episode with us, this is a little bit off the beaten path here. I do love hanging out with my comedy buddies. And, of course, the Kahuna is just great company as always. Uh, typically, what we like to do is put the spotlight firmly on second place from something strange in American history or weird that doesn't get covered too, too much. This one, we went down a wormhole, had a little bit of fun here with you. Uh, again, if you want to support the show for as little as $3 a month, that'll actually get you the bonus episodes on Patreon. There's a video portion of it now, too. You get three episodes for free every month. The fourth one, that's all I ask. That one will cost you. If you really enjoy it. Do me a favor and jump on that bad boy, okay? Those videos are, are also going to be exclusively over on Patreon, um, so the there will not be going up on YouTube or anything like that. So you can't you know split hairs that way. Uh, again, that's for as little as three bucks a month. For five bucks a month, we'll send you some merch stuff like that. I have more stickers being made and everything like that. Um, I got a couple actually. I got mailings I got to send out to people as well too. We're back in action over here, folks. We took that summer off. We figured everything out, and we're firing off on all cylinders. It's Clerks 3 weekend. Our boy, the big kahuna, has a little cameo scene in Clerks 3. Go see it. Support Kevin Smith so that he can keep dumping money off into these projects and try to pretend one of us is worth believing in. <laughs> all right? But that being said, if you could help me out, Escape from Jacksonville is closing in on uh, another big number, another even number, too. 22,000 views over on YouTube, which I appreciate. Uh, each one of those has been fought for with blood, sweat, and tears. Two of the clips took off on Instagram and went viral. If you want, guys, follow me over at KP Burke Sucks on Instagram. I want to get my numbers up above 5,000. Uh, nothing says stand-up comedy. Nothing humbles you in stand-up comedy quite like restarting your podcast and losing 30 Instagram followers. <laughs> I don't know if it's Russian bots getting taken down, which is what I like to believe, or if it's that people just don't like what I'm doing. <laughs> But that being said, um, it means a lot to us, the continued support for all those projects. So Escape from Jacksonville, that's the way to help me out. Keep supporting this show if you like. Tell your friends about it. The Patreon helps us out so I can pay that man behind the computer over there who also happens to know. Do you know now? We can throw it to you? Yeah. If we got I've in the car right now. If we got oh, into God. the car 
with it's, uh, it's an hour and four minutes. One hour and four minutes, and we could be in another dimension. Folks, my name is KP Burke. That was Joe Conti. That was the Big Kahuna. This has been American Loser. An American Loser, the day I was born. An American Loser, the day I was born. An American Loser, the day I was born.